Well, good morning, church. So good to be with you. Happy New Year. You know, every New Year's Eve, when this, the clock strikes midnight, there are millions, millions and millions and millions. I found out this week that nearly half of all people, half, nearly half of all people decide to make New Year's resolutions. And the other half are making resolutions about not making resolutions. That's what I've discovered this week. I mean, millions of people begin to sign their lives to resolutions. And what are these resolutions all about? They're about being better. They're about being different. They're about being transformed. We want to be new, don't we? New Year brings up in us, just conjures up in us this idea, uh, this, uh, uh, the, this sense in us that we want to be new and different and better and transformed. All I have to do is go down to my local YMCA and notice all the overfilled classes to know that this is true. It's true. We make all of these resolutions to be better. I took the liberty this week to just check up on some stats on what it is that people are making resolutions about. Here are some of them. People are making resolutions about their weight. Not anyone in this room, of course, but people out there are making resolutions about their weight. I want to lose weight, right? I want to lose that 20 pounds that somehow found me. I want to lose it and never see it come back again. Uh, I want to be more fit. I want to be more healthy. This is the year. I'm going to really do it. I'm going to get into a habit of going to exercise at least 20 minutes a day. You're going to see sweat pouring off my brow. This is the year. This year is going to be different. I'm going to be different. I'm going to be transformed, changed, new. Some of the resolutions were money-related. Of course, not anyone in this room, again, but just those out there, right? This year is going to be the year I make more money. This is going to be the year that I find that job. This is going to be the year that everything is going to go wonderfully. I'm going to save more and spend less, right? Other, other uh, resolutions, relationships. I'm going to find that someone. This was Josh's 2015 New Year's resolution. <laughs> I'm going to meet that special someone and live happily ever after. Some people would say it's self-improvement. I just want to be a better person. I want to be a better husband. I want to be a better employee, a better mother, a better father, a better bride. I want to quit smoking. I want to, <coughs> I want to learn something new and exciting. This is what I'm going to do. I am going to resolve to do something great. And this is the year. Millions and millions and millions of people are making all sorts of resolutions. Now here is the problem. Here's the problem. And you already know this. 92% of people fail at their resolution. 92% fail. Uh, the big picture is we all want to be new, right? We want to be new people. We want to be different and changed and be better than we were before. There's something in us innately that just says, I want to be transformed. The problem is we're not very good at it. 
That's the problem. The problem is we say we want it. We want to spend our money better. We want to take better care of ourselves. We want to kick bad habits. We want to treat people with greater respect and greater love. We want to guard our eyes and our ears and our mouths, and, and yet we're just not very good at it. Even recently, I put up on my Facebook page, hey, what are your New Year's resolutions? And I got some really great ones, right? I want to simplify my life. I want to memorize two or three verses regularly. I want to get to know my church family better. All of those are great things. The problem is that we're just not good at it. We're just not. And so we're going to explore over the next several weeks this idea of being new. And this morning, oh, I'm going to talk about you being a new you. How is it that I get a new me? You see, our desire over the next four weeks is, is for, for you, with God's help, to move toward that place of newness in a new state of mind, a new state of heart, a new soul, and a new strength, so that by the end of the series, you are ready to accept the kinds of changes that God is asking you to make in your life in order for you to be new. Are you ready for that? I want you to be new. The fact is, you want you to be new. You want to be transformed and live differently. I want to help you make a resolution that always lasts. Are you ready for that? Let's change that 92% failure rate into a 100% success rate, and we can do that. I want you to listen to a couple of the texts, a couple of the texts that lead us on this idea of just being new. Now, Paul is talking to this church in Corinth, and and he is just simply saying, hey, hey, gang, I want to take you along for the ride. I want to remind you of what it is that you seemingly have forgotten. And in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, he's, he writes this, If anyone is in Christ, if anyone is in Christ, we'll talk about that in a minute, he is a new creation. The old has gone, the new has come. If you're in Christ, you're a new creation. Whatever happened in Genesis 1 with God creating is being recreated in you. You have become something new, not something old, if you're in Christ. There's another one. In Ephesians chapter 4, there's this great peace that, that, that Paul is trying to get this church to, to recognize about who God is. Again, he's reminding them about what they have been taught. And in chapter 4, uh, verse 22 through 24... He writes this, you were taught with regard to your former way of life. We all have one of those, by the way. We have a former way of life, uh, that, that life that we had before Christ, right? He, he talks about those who are in Christ or new creation, uh, the old is gone, the new has come. He, he says, you have put off your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires to be made new in the attitude of your minds, to put on the new self created to be like God in the true righteousness and holiness. So how is it, how is it that we become new? How is it that we engage in newness with God as the focal point of our life? Now, it, it seems that somehow built in us, there's this incredible desire to get better, to be transformed, to be new, but we're not good at it. And we've tried and we've tried and we've tried and we've tried and tried and tried and tried and tried and tried and we just keep trying to say, I'm going to pick myself up by the bootstraps and we're going to get this thing figured out. 
And yet every year, 92% of us fail. And if we do that long enough, and it's painful enough, we just simply say, my resolution is, not, is, is going to be to stay old and not be new. And yet this is not what God's desire is for us. Some of us will just simply say, it's too hard, the process is too long. And we cast away the idea of being new and resolve to just be old. And to say, I'm going to go back to my former way of life. Now, the definition of insanity is what? Doing the same thing over and over again and expect a different result. Unfortunately, some of us are doing that when we desire to be new. I'm going to be new this year. I'm going to be new this year. And the problem is not that we don't have a desire to be new. The problem is that we try and go about becoming new in a wrong sort of way. You see, we recognize that God wants us to be new, that we want to be new, but we easily accept an alternative way of getting there that God doesn't want us to go down. And so this morning, I I just want to take you by the hand. And I want to point out several potholes along the road and say these are things that we need to avoid when we're trying to be new. And then I'm going to give you something. I'm going to show you something uh, that is the 100% way of going about succeeding when we're trying to become new. Are you ready for that? Can we handle that? We're going to cast off what's old, and we're going to put on what is new. Are you ready for the first pothole? Here's the first pothole. Pothole number one. The first pothole is this. I will be made new by changing my environment. I will be made new by changing my environment. Oftentimes when we come about trying to be made new, what, we're gonna say, what we say to ourselves is if I just change the conditioning that surrounds me, my life will be different. But that's a pothole. I was reminded this week about a Russian psychologist. Some of you know this. You probably had uh, some psychology class in some school somewhere, and uh, Ivan Pavlov His name ought to ring a bell. He's a famous Russian psychologist, and he's the guy with the slobbering dogs. Do you remember? Uh, You see, he would would take these dogs, and he would feed them. And he would feed them consistently in this environment, and then he would feed them and ring a bell. Do you remember? And then then, uh, when he would ring the bell, he would feed them. And so the dogs would begin to slobber and salivate. Remember that? And then eventually what would happen is he would ring the bell, but no food would follow and they would still salivate. Now, all of that means this for you and I here today. All of that means this. What he was saying was that if you pick the right environment, if you pick the right environment, if you pick the right conditioning, you will know the you that you most want to be. If I just pick the environment, everything will go right for me. Now, now there's a problem. The problem then is that mankind has known the absolute perfect environment and still got it wrong. In Genesis chapter 1, God said, and He looked over everything that He had made, and He said, it is good. It's perfect. God was walking with people in the cool part of the day. And yet Adam and Eve, they're in the garden in this perfect, perfect environment, chose sin. 
You see, the problem was not the environment. The problem was not the conditioning. The problem was the desire of people's hearts to want to sin. Are you hanging with me? You see, the first pothole in trying to become new is recognizing I am not made new by changing my environment. The problem is not that you live in the wrong city. The problem is not that you have a house that's too small. The problem is not that your spouse is not attractive enough. It's not that your job doesn't make you enough money. It's not that your car doesn't give you enough status. Those things are not the problem. Now, now here's the hard part. The problem is you. And the problem is me. I can't simply change my environment and expect myself to become new. That's a lie. Jesus said it this way. In Matthew chapter 7, there toward the end, when He begins to talk about these metaphors of trees, He says, if you have a good tree, it's going to bear good fruit. If you have a bad tree, it's going to bear bad fruit. And He's walking us from the inside to the outside. Gang, if we want to be made new, it's not in the externals of our environment that we have to change. We have to change from the inside out. We want to identify ourselves with good fruit. We have to work from the inside out, not from the outside in. The first pothole, I'll be made new by changing my environment. That's false. Are you hanging in there so far? Pothole number two. I'm going to be made new by following the proper protocol. How many of you have ever played games with someone that is like a stickler for the rules? Anybody played games with people like that? Isn't that annoying? I, it is so annoying. Like you'll make some move, right? Uh, you're maybe uh, playing a board game or playing a card game, and that, that's not the rules. And you're like, I don't care what the rules are. This is how we've been playing. No, no. And they, 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 like, they, they won't let it go, right? I mean, like, they'll open up the box, and they'll begin to read you the rules. Now, that's all well and good, and we can do that around Christmas time and, and jab each other about how we just have to obey the rules. Here's the problem. The problem is oftentimes how we play games finds its way into how we approach our relationship with Jesus. We have to obey the rules. Sometimes we approach a relationship with God the way we play games, and it's called legalism. We get to God, we say, by obeying the rules. We're made new by just simply obeying the rules. All the rules. Nothing but the rules. So help you God. You have to keep the rules. The problem is that obeying the rules can make us look really great. Man, I bet we have some great rule followers in here. I bet we do. I bet we obey great. It can make us shine. It can make us look great. It can endure, endure us to all of our colleagues. It can make us look like leadership material. But following the protocol, listen, following the protocol doesn't make us new. Following all the rules doesn't make us new. 
Jesus had these people in his own day that they thought they could be new by following the proper protocol. In Matthew chapter 23, Jesus really lets them have it and he acts like a prophet before these people and he says, you just, you don't understand what you're doing. Listen to his words. Matthew 23, verse 25, he says, Woe to you, teachers. Now, woe. Woe is a bad thing, people. Right? Like if you go back into the Old Testament and you look at the, the, the role of the prophet, when a prophet says, woe, your response is, woe. Right? You didn't want, it, he's casting judgment upon these people for their legalism. And listen to what he says. Woe to you, teachers of the law. Woe to you, teachers of the law, hypocrites. You clean the outside of the cup and the dish, but the inside you're full of greed and self-indulgence. Blind Pharisee. First clean the outside of the cup and the dish, and then the inside will be clean. Woe to you, teachers of the law, you hypocrites. You're like whitewashed tombs, and they look beautiful on the outside, but the inside are full of dead men's bones and everything unclean. You see, we can follow the rules and what happens when we follow the rules and we make this, uh, this the, the avenue by which we're trying to be made new, we create a system of standards that we hold everybody else accountable to. And guess who gets to be the standard? Me. I get to be the standard. Because if I obey the rules better than anybody else, then I get to look at you and judge you based on how you're not following the rules as well as I am. Jesus, when he talks about hypocrite, when he uses this term, he's saying something profound about what's inside you see, oftentimes when we define the term hypocrite, uh, we say, you say one thing and do another. But when Jesus talks about a hypocrite, uh, what he means in the, in the most biblical sense is you are one thing inside and you present something else outside. And again, we are faced with this idea that if we are going to be made new, it has to come from the inside out, not from the outside in. If we want to be made new, we have to understand it's not going to happen by following the proper protocol. Rules don't change us. God changes us. His grace is sufficient. Pothole number two. We can't be made new by following proper protocol. Understand what obedience is here, folks. Obedience, the kind that we're talking about when we're talking about being made new, is doing the right things for the right reasons with the right motivation. And the only way we can get there is by being changed from inside to outside. Pothole number three. Are you ready? You're like, oh no. Pothole number three. I will be made new by being more aware. 
I'll be, I'll be made new by being more aware. Some of us think that if I'm just more aware of myself, that somehow I will be able to change me. Right? If I'm just more able to identify those sinful behaviors in my life, then, then somehow I can change myself and I'm going to be made new. The, the problem is that we probably already have an idea of what's wrong with us. It's called sin. We're, in, we're constantly in rebellion against God. We have desires that we ought not to have. I yell at my kids too much. I think the wrong things. I desire what I shouldn't. The problem isn't that we don't know. The problem is that we're incapable of doing without God's help. So it's not about being more aware. Some of us think, well, if I'm more aware, not only of myself, but if I'm more aware of the Bible, that, that's it. If I'm just more aware of the Bible, then I can be made new. Gang, you can have all the Bible knowledge in all of the world and still not be made new. Are you aware of that? You could quote to me the Pentateuch, the first five books of the Bible. You could quote them to me verbatim in whatever translation that you choose, and you could be no closer to being made new than you are right now. Listen, listen, listen. Information does not equal transformation. Information does not equal transformation. You can have all of the Bible information and not be any closer to being made new. In John chapter 5, Jesus again encountering some uh, folks, teachers of the law, that had a hard time understanding this idea of being made new. In chapter 5, verse 39, Jesus says this to them. He says, You diligently study the Scriptures because you think that by them you possess eternal life. You study the Scriptures because by them you think that you possess eternal life. Notice what he says. He says, these are the Scriptures that testify about me. Yet you refuse to come to me and have life. We can know all the Scripture. We can know all of Jesus' words. We can memorize three times a week. But you understand that the Scriptures are a window for us to be able to have revealed to us who God is and what He's doing. Are you aware of that? Uh, imagine if we had a window set up. And, and, and we, we looked at this window and we studied the window and, and we knew every aspect of the window. We knew the, the kind of glass that was in the window and, the, and we knew the manufacturer in which it was made and, and, and we looked at it with awe and wonder and, we, and maybe, maybe we even prayed to the window because it was amazing. It was just this unbelievable window. And we never looked through it. Jesus is saying to those that would like to be made new by being aware, He's saying you can't be made new by just knowing about the window. You see, the window is there so that you will look through the window. Because the window is there so that you can see Me. Gang, we don't worship this. This is a guide to us. This is God's revelation to us so that we can see Him. This is not eternal life. 
This does not give us eternal life. You know who gives us eternal life? God gives us eternal life. Jesus Christ gives us eternal life. We are not made new simply by knowing a lot about the Bible. Pothole number three. You're going to be made new by being more aware. It's just simply not true. So are you ready for the 100% absolute? Uh, You're going to be made new if you do this, if you follow this. It's really rather simple. If I come back to that original passage, 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 5, verse 17, I I told you I was going to get there. Uh, Remember what he said, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. You want to be made new? You want a new me? You want a new you? you got to be in Christ. You're like, well, that was simple. And when he's talking about being in Christ, this phrase that Paul uses over and over again, he's not simply saying that there's people that believe in who God is. That's not what he's, he's saying. He's saying there's people who follow who God is. Will you diligently follow God? I have a son. Are you aware of that? He's two years old. I've probably mentioned him once or twice. Did you know that sometimes he's ornery? Just like his mom. Just Love you, dear. But did you know that when he's ornery and he fusses and he cries and even when he sins, do you know that I don't cast him out of my presence? Are you aware of that? I don't take him by the britches and toss him out into the snow until he's good enough to come back. I don't do that. And neither does God. You see, this newness that we're wanting so badly, it can't come from me. It does come from Christ. And it's not a matter of us being perfect before we get there. That's what He's doing in us. And in Him, as I diligently pursue Him, even as I continue to struggle with sin, as I diligently pursue following Christ, He is making me new. You want to know how you are made new? You want a new you? Are you ready for this? You need a new boss. If you want a new you, you got to have a new boss. And guess who that boss isn't? That boss is not you. If you want a new you, you need a new boss. And that new boss is Jesus. A new me only happens with a new boss. In Ephesians 4, that other passage that I read for you this morning, where he begins to talk about, (coughs) excuse me, where he begins to talk about the former way of life and putting on the new things, you know what he's saying? We have to begin to inherit the character of God. And that only happens, gang, from the inside to the outside. So here's what I want you to do. Are you ready for this? You want to be made new, here's what you got to do. 
Only God can make you new, and here's what you need to do. You need to, to say, to look in the mirror, to find a new you, you need to pledge this to Jesus. Jesus, I pledge my life to cooperate with you so that I can be made new. Jesus, I pledge to cooperate with you so I can be made new. Whatever it is that you want of me, I will cooperate with you so I can be made new. You need a new boss to be made new. You want me to begin that process to engage in spiritual benchmarks like baptism? I will do that. I will do that right thing at the right time for the right reasons in the right motivation because I want to cooperate with you. I need to change this habit. I will do that. Why? Because I am handing my life over. I will cooperate with you so that you will make me new. And rather than trying to work from the outside in on our own strength, we're saying, no, no, no. That's, that's proven faulty. I will be made new from the inside out. You want to be made new? You need a new boss. You need to pledge your life to cooperate with Jesus. Let's pray. Gracious God, I thank you for your goodness. I thank you for your, your will, your Holy Spirit that you will give to us. And Father, with that, with the Holy Spirit, will you strengthen us? Will you help us make the pledge, not to ourselves and our own strength, but to you? That Christ, that you would change us from the inside out, that we would be made knew that our character would be like yours. And Father, when we fail, when we sin, that we would continue to diligently pursue you and pursue that relationship. Make us new. I pray this in Jesus' name.